Hello, residents. My name is Mike Estefan, and I'm joined today by Maddie Watts, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, my personal independent disability insurance broker. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in the episode. But for now, let's get into our case for the day. Today is round number 16 of the game. Maddie will need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. She has 15 minutes to complete the case, and she absolutely does not know what the case is ahead of time. If Maddie hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, she wins. If she doesn't, or if she performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They are not derived from actual APEM cases that I had, and they are certainly not real patients. Maddie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? I am doing great. I got a nice warm cup of coffee with some oat milk in it. And uh, I don't work till five today, so I got a full day ahead of me. That's a good place to be in. Yep, yep. All right. You ready to go ahead with this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Maddie, take out a piece of paper and a pencil or pen. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it. And let me know when you're ready. I'm ready to go. All right. Dr. Watts, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case before we begin. Do you have any questions? Nope. All righty. And the timer has started. Maddie, you are working at Clerkship General when you hear the base command radio. Clerkship General, we got a 57-year-old female coming in for leg pain. She just had leg surgery at your hospital. We got a blood pressure of 85 over 50. We'll be there in five. All right. So I would like to have a recess bay prepared for her. Um, I would like to go ahead and get a staff ready, have a tech and a nurse. I don't think we need to pull anything just yet. Um, and we'll walk on in. All righty. It looks like they're rolling her in now. Hey, Doc. This is Betsy. She had a knee replacement on the left side five days ago at your facility. She tells us that her surgeon said the pain should be improving by now, but it just hasn't been. She took 10 milligrams of oxycodone before calling us, but it didn't help. Blood pressure was a little soft for us, as we said, uh, 85 over 50. Any questions? What's her heart rate? Um, we got a heart rate of about 118. She seems to be in a lot of pain. Okay. Any fever? Did you take a temperature? We did not check a temperature. Okay. Um, and have you given her anything in route? Uh, we get, we tried giving her 25 of fentanyl. She didn't like the fentanyl. Got it. And was she hypotensive before or after the fentanyl? Uh, we, we checked the blood pressure after we gave her the 25 of fentanyl. She, okay. she looked miserable when we showed up. Okay. Got it. All right. Um, So let's get her moved over to our bed. Let's get an opening set of vitals and check our access. Okay. Um, EMS has a single large bore IV placed. Um, Your nurse is working on vitals. Uh, They got a blood pressure of 75 over 40. They got a temperature of 100.1 Fahrenheit. They got a heart rate of 122. They got a respiratory rate of 24, 
and they got a finger stick glucose of 130. All right, let's start working on a second point of peripheral access and let's hang a liter of LR. Um, Ma'am, tell me about your symptoms that you've been having. Hi, Dr. Watts. I'm worried about my leg. I had surgery performed by Dr. Surgeon five days ago. It was a total knee replacement. My pain was pretty bad post-operatively, and the, the surgeon said it should get better every day, but it just hasn't been. If anything, it's getting worse. The oxycodone has been taking the edge off, but I, I still can't believe it hurts as bad. The pain is so bad that it's it's literally taking my breath away. Like, I, I, I can't breathe. I can't do anything. It's just so bad. I'm almost out of oxycodone. Do you think you could prescribe me some more? Well, let's examine you first and see if we can get to the root of what's causing your severe pain. Um, and then also a few things for my nurses. If they can pull a blood culture when they get that second point of access and also make sure we're pressure bagging in those fluids um, and follow that with a second liter as well. Um, when I look at her um, leg to start off, does she have good DP and um, PT pulses? She, The patient does not have palpable lower extremity pulses, but you are able to get them on Doppler. Okay. Um, does she have good capillary refill? Is there any modeling of the leg? Uh, there's delayed capillary refill, but it is symmetric in all four extremities. Okay. Um, and do her compartments in her thigh and her calf feel soft? Her compartments in her left thigh and left calf feel soft. Okay. Um, looking at her knee, is it erythematous, warm, echomotic? Uh, it is not erythematous. It is not warm. There's a little bit of ecchymosis, um, presumably related to the surgery. Okay. And can she actively range her left leg at all? She's able to move it a little bit, but she refuses to. Doc, you got to help me out. I'm in too much pain to do this right now. Okay. Um, can we recycle a blood pressure and how much fluids has she gotten thus far? Uh, about a liter has finished. Um, her blood pressure is still 75 over 40. Okay, let's give the second liter. If we don't have improvement, then we need to go ahead and start vasopressors. Um, Ma'am, do you have any medical history? Um, yes, the patient has a medical history of hypertension hyperlipidemia, and diabetes. Okay. Um, does she take any medicines at home? She takes atorvastatin, metformin, and amlodipine. Okay. Any allergies to medications? Uh, Doc, I'm glad you asked. I have a very long list of allergies. And I'm sure, you, being the good doctor you are, I'm sure you looked at my chart. I'm allergic to acetaminophen. I'm allergic to ibuprofen. I'm allergic to meloxicam. I'm allergic to naproxen. I'm allergic to ketorolac, tramadol, hydrocodone, haldol, and droperidol. All right. So that is quite a list of allergies. Have you ever had any anaphylaxis before? No. Okay. My body just shuts down when I get any of those medications. I think uh, there's there's a really only one that works really well for me. It, it starts with a D. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I might know which medicine you're talking about, but for right now, I'm pretty worried about your blood pressure, so I'd like to work on that a bit for before we get any pain medicines, as those can also lower your blood pressure. Um, have you ever had any surgeries besides this knee replacement? 
No, I have not. Okay. And has the pain been severe since you recovered from surgery or was it getting better until suddenly it started getting worse? Uh, it never really got better, but it started getting worse yesterday. Okay. Have you had any fevers? No. Any vomiting? No. Okay. Any history of bleeding disorders or bleeding too easily? No. Okay. Any history of blood clots? No. Okay. Does she have any redness, swelling, tenderness of her calf or thigh on exam? Um, there is definitely a significant amount of uh, swelling uh, on the entire left lower extremity. But um, again, she had surgery five days ago. Okay. Um, and then is her cardiopulmonary exam unremarkable? She has clear lungs, uh, and you hear no mur loud murmurs. Okay. Abdomen soft, non-tender? Correct. Um, does she have equal strength and sensation in her upper and lower extremities? Yes. Okay. Um, so I'd like to go ahead and recycle the vitals. Have we gotten our second liter in? Uh, the second liter of fluids has just finished, and blood pressure is essentially unchanged she's 77 over 42 okay so i'd like to go ahead and start norepinephrine um, we can start it at seven mics um see if we can improve her blood pressure a little bit um we can start that through the peripheral iv as long as it's flushing and drawing back easily and then if we can send off some labs um as i mentioned if we'll send we can send a blood culture a cbc um a BMP, a lactate, um, we can send a D-dimer, um, coags, so PTINR, PTT, and let's do a VBG as well. Okay, those, the nurse has just drawn off and they were just sent. Doc, it, my leg, it, you, you gotta help me here. I, I'm gonna lose my mind. Got it. And did she have any allergy to ketamine? Uh, no listed allergy to ketamine. Okay. Let's do some pain dose ketamine for right now. So we can do 0.3 mg per keg. Okay. Ketamine was given. Oh, doc, that feels so much better. All right. Um, has our blood pressure improved since starting pressers? Uh, yeah, blood pressure is now up to 90 over 50. Okay. Um, and then I'd like to go ahead and get some plain films of her knee just to see if there's any hardware that's been dislodged, if there's a large effusion. So we'll go ahead and order those as well. Okay, plain films of the knee are coming over. And you have some labs starting to trickle in. Um. Her CBC is showing a white blood cell count of 8, a hemoglobin of 10, a platelet count of 150. Her BMP is largely unremarkable. Her sodium is 140. Her chloride is 105. Her bicarb is 18, a little low. Her potassium is 4.5. Her glucose is 135. Creatinine 1.1 with a BUN of 20. You did send a lactate. Her lactate is elevated at 
her coags are normal, and you sent a D-dimer. Her D-dimer is 5,500. Okay. Um, and looking at her x-rays, she has a knee replacement. It looks grossly normal. Um, I don't see any periprosthetic fracture. I don't see any hardware that looks obviously dislodged. I don't see a large effusion, so these look normal to me. Um I'm concerned that she may be in septic shock, um, given that she's hypotensive, she has an elevated lactate, she was close to being febrile, she had a recent surgery with instrumentation, so I think we should go ahead and cover her with some antibiotics. So I think I would do um, ceftriaxone and vancomycin for her, um, and that I'd like to go ahead and um, call her surgeon or the orthopedist on call. Uh, the orthopedist is not answering. Okay. Hey, Doc. Um, um, now now that you've treated my pain, I, I'm feeling a little better. But, you know, I, I was feeling pretty short of breath. I thought it was because of the pain, but it's not because of the pain. What do you think this could be? Okay. <laughs> um, so certainly she's at risk for DVT-PE. Were you given any blood thinner medicine to take after your surgery, like aspirin or Lovenox? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so I do think that we need to get a CTA, but before I send her to the scanner, since she was fairly unstable, I'd like to just look at her heart with ultrasound, see if she has any evidence of RV strain, um, like an enlarged right ventricle. Uh, you take a look on bedside ultrasound. She does have an enlarged right ventricle. Okay. Um, and she's hypotensive. So this is a, um, submassive PE. So I'd like to call, um, critical care and get them on board. Um, she might be someone to consider lytics or thrombectomy, but I'd like to talk with my critical care team about that. Your intensivist is just the hospitalist. You don't have an intensivist, and the hospitalist refuses the admission, says you have to transfer the patient. They're too sick for our small community hospital. Okay, so let's go ahead and start heparin, and let's call the nearest ICU and say that I need a transfer. Um, and I want to start the heparin before she goes to CT. If her blood pressure is stable, then I still would like to, to get a CT to confirm. Okay. Um, well, her blood pressure did come up with pressors, so do you want to send her to CT? Um, yes, but I would like to send a nurse with her. Okay. And I want the heparin started first. Okay. Heparin has been started. She goes to CT. She gets the CT. It has been sent. I was waiting for the, you get called to CT. <laughs> Uh, oh, wow. That is, that is a very large PE. Saddle PE. Um, so again, I would keep her on the heparin. I'd call, a uh, critical care. And then can I get a repeat set of vitals when she gets back from CT? Okay. Um, so blood pressure on norepinephrine has somewhat stabilized. She's 95 over 55. Um, what else did you want? Um, call 
the nearest ICU for um, emergent transfer for massive PE or submassive PE. Okay. Um, you talked to ICU doc, ICU doc accepted. How would you like to transport the patient? I would like to transport her by flight, ideally, unless it's like a very short drive, which I'm assuming it's not at our small rural hospital. Okay, the helicopter's on their way, and that ends your case. Just perfect timing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. So before we go through how you did, let's talk about our sponsor for the month, Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability insurance broker. The team at Pearson Rabbits is incredibly knowledgeable about both disability insurance as well as the nuances that come with becoming a healthcare professional. In fact, Pearson Rabbits specifically exists to help healthcare professionals like you and me obtain own occupation disability insurance. They worked great for me. They've worked great for my significant other. They've worked great for a few of my friends, and they will work great for you. Don't wait until it's too late. Check out Pearson Rabbits at www.pearsonrabbits.com to schedule a consultation appointment today. And if you do, don't forget to mention EM Clerkship. It helps us out. And now back to the episode. All right. Maddie, we have a lot to unpack here. Yeah. What was the final diagnosis? Pulmonary embolism. What type of pulmonary embolism? So I was going back and forth in my head. I think it's still submassive because she didn't arrest but i can't remember if hypotension actually i think it's massive this is what i kept doing in my head (laughs) yes you are correct it is a massive pulmonary embolism um good there was one thing early on that would have given you this case that unfortunately you missed can you think back to the very beginning of the case was it her sat? I now that I was I figured it out. I was like, wait, what was her sat? I don't remember yeah. noting that. Yeah, she the nurse never gave you an oxygen saturation when she came in. You had to ask for it. Ugh. Yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> That's the hard part about these cases is like it's easier when you can see it all in person and Yeah, right in front of you. Yeah. I remember her being a little tachypnic, but I was like, oh, she's in pain. And then I just completely did not even realize that I didn't get a sat. <laughs> yeah. So so her sat would have been 74% on room air, which hopefully would have, uh, along with her clear lungs, hopefully would have uh, pointed you towards the diagnosis sooner than the patient being like, why the heck am I still short of breath? Yeah. Yeah, that um, was a uh, big help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, di- I didn't want you to completely bomb the case, but it could have it could have went so much worse. If you oh, if yeah. you sent if you sent this patient to CT before starting pressers, she was going to code in CT. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was I was actually hoping you would get the diagnosis before CT, and then you would lice her before going to CT. Um, but I gave you another out with pressers when I wrote this case: either pressers or lytics before CT, and she won't code. Um, so she didn't code, which is great. Um, yeah. yeah, so so this is a case of massive pulmonary embolism following a surgery. This patient probably should have been on anticoagulation following a, a knee replacement. I, I think most people end up being put on um, some sort of DBT prophylaxis following these these 
major orthopedic surgeries, um, but she was not. She came in hypotensive. She had an elevated temperature, but did not have a fever. That is something we often see with thrombosis, whether it's DVT or PE. Um, she was quite tachycardic. She was tachypnic. Um, and then, yeah, she was hypoxemic. Um, she, the, the whole point of the, the pain thing was to kind of throw you for a loop and distract you a little bit from what was really going on because in real life they, they love to do this. Um, and the, you know, there's just a ton of distractors in the case and it's, it's hard to stay laser focused on, you know, what's actually going on. Um, and then I was what? like, is this pain out of proportion? Do you have a compartment syndrome somewhere? Do you have a <laughs> necrotizing infection? <laughs> no, I, th I think you did a really good job going through kind of the potential etiologies of her hypotension following this surgical procedure. Um 100%, you've got to think like a post-surgical infection is high on the probably highest on your list when you see these vital signs without the oxygen when they're coming in post-op, right? Um, and then, yeah, necrotizing soft tissue infection, uh, compartment syndrome certainly is one potential emergency from the swelling. Um, DVT is another, although it wouldn't affect her blood pressure, um, et cetera. So I, I, I think you went down the right road. I think I would have also worked her up for infection. Um, but again, just not getting that oxygen kind of set you up for failure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the critical actions. So the first critical action was to correctly obtain a full set of vital signs. And I don't know if you noticed, I also gave you a finger stick blood glucose instead of the oxygen saturation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, how thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Just to not throw off alarm bells like, oh, that was too short. Um, so obtain a full set of vitals was the first critical action. The second critical action was treat the patient's pain. The the patient was going to stop telling you anything until you treated her pain. Um the third is diagnose PE clinically before imaging, which you did. Um, the fourth is stabilize the patient prior to imaging with either pressors or lytics, which you did. Otherwise, the patient would code. And then the last one, um, which you kind of got, and we'll talk a little bit more on the deep dive, but um, transfer the patient by helicopter for thrombectomy. Um as you said, after the case, this is a massive pulmonary embolism. These patients typically get lytics and a thrombectomy um, at some point down the line. Um, it obviously depends what your center has available. Sometimes these patients will go directly to thrombectomy. Sometimes you push the lytics because they're just so unstable. You have no other choice. And then they go for thrombectomy once they're a little more stabilized. Um, it really depends on kind of your whoever manages massive PEs at your site, if you have someone that even does that. Um, I know a lot of hospitals are doing what's called a PE response team, a PERT team. Does your hospital have something similar? Yeah, we do. And so that's what I was thinking about, um, especially because I just got off of cardiac ICU. So a lot of the interventionalists are part of this team. And sometimes they don't want us to push lytics if they can get there quickly and get someone for thrombectomy. So I think it's like a little nuanced because we're at a center that has all that fancy stuff. But in this patient, especially if you're in a rural area, I feel like you should just push the lytics with the persistent hypotension. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and we'll we'll go into this much more on the deep dive, kind of the different types of PEs and kind of the different strategies for for managing PE. Um, heparin, I I think at the time you you were thinking this was a submassive PE, and if it was, heparin would be the correct choice. Um, but for for a, a massive PE, uh, especially at a place without thrombectomy, I would I would definitely give lytics. Makes sense. Yeah, I was like, I know if you arrest, and then I couldn't remember, it's intermittent hypotension or RV strain without hypotension that's submassive, and then persistent hypotension or arrest is massive, I think. Yeah, it, pretty close. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it uh, on the deep dive. But aside from that, um, do you have any other questions or comments about the case? No, but that was a good one. And it definitely was difficult to deal with the patient's, you know, sidetracked uh, thoughts, but that is realistic to what happens in real life. And certainly when you're timed and you're on a stressful scenario, it could be really easy to get frazzled by that. So I think it's good to practice. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I'll, I'll give a little side pointer here. What I did personally on on the real on the real deal, um, my personal test taking strategy would be, you know, the case starts and the timer starts. Um, I when I was practicing and taking the real deal, I would always ask for one minute to write to gather my thoughts before starting the case. And I immediately on my scratch sheet of paper, write down all five vital signs like they don't you don't get the vitals up front. You have to ask, but I write down heart rate, temperature, you know, blood pressure, respiratory rate, O2 sat, finger stick. So I make sure I don't forget to get those if they don't give me one of them. And then mm-hmm. I also write my like sample mnemonic, you know, like symptoms, allergies, medications, past medical history, um, exposures, that kind of thing. And so, so, you know, you have a system and you're not going to miss anything when you're information gathering, because that's the, the, the trick of these cases is they're, they're not set out really to trick you. As If you ask for the information, they will give it to you. You just you have to ask for it, and that's the, the hard part. Yeah, that definitely is a good strategy because I feel like at the beginning, I did have a pretty broad differential, like, is this sepsis? Is this PE? And then I kind of got derailed and, and like, narrowed my differential really quickly. And I think if you had that written down or you had, like, your basic – vital signs you're like wait a second they were hypoxic let me go back yeah okay well that's all i have for today um feel free to send us emails criticize us on the case writing or our our factual knowledge um or if you have any (laughs) uh, comments suggestions feedback anything send us emails my email is mike at emclerkship.com My email is maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E, at emclerkship.com. And until later this month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.